Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I am John Manuel, welcoming you back to another year of college baseball podcasts. It's our, it's our lid lifter for the 2013 season. Uh, Aaron there and on the West Coast, John here in Durham. Aaron, it's about 32 degrees here in Durham today for a high. What you got out in Laguna? Uh, I think we're up to 72 today. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just not good. I knew uh, I, I was opening up a can of worms when I asked you that, but uh, it feels like college baseball where you are is the point, Aaron. We had the Raleigh Hot Stove Banquet here last night. Uh, by far the most entertaining speaker was Carlos Rodon. He was the star of the show. Got a little talk to from uh, Matt Harrison of the Texas Rangers. So we had some uh, two big physical lefties from the state of North Carolina, um, you know, uh, trading notes. But it, it all got me fired up for college baseball, Aaron. And uh, even with the weather this cold, uh, I, I'm I'm extremely ready for the season to start. How about you? Oh, I'm I'm chomping at the bit. Like all these coaches I've been talking to uh, for the last month here, everybody's, um, you know, everybody wants to get out there. And, you know, we're the same way, John. I mean, you you and I, I mean, it's fun to preview the season. It's fun to um, to gather information and to, to then try to uh, share that information with our readers. But we want to watch baseball, man. That's what we're here for. Practice starts Friday. I was talking to the coaches last night, uh, Elliot Avent, uh, the coaches from North Carolina, the assistant coaches, the, the Scots, Jackson and Forbes, uh, Coach uh, Coach Pollard, whose name I finally got right, at uh, Duke, the new, the new head coach at Duke, got to meet him last night. They are pumped and jacked for uh, practice starting on Friday, and it's a three-week sprint to the start of the season. Aaron, before we yeah. get into our top 25, let's uh, – big highlights of the offseason, the storylines of college baseball's offseason – really seems like uh, there weren't any major, major coaching changes with the with the real significant exception of Ray Tanner uh, stepping aside at South Carolina, stepping up, going from baseball coach to athletic director, which really only seems to happen in junior colleges and in the Southeastern Conference, where you had it with Skip yeah. Bertman, and now you have it with Ray Tanner. And the prerequisite seems to be you must have repeated as national champion uh, to, to step into the AD. Obviously, Skip Bertman did it in 96-97, became the AD, I think, in 2002. And then uh, with Ray Tanner, did it in 2010-2011. They lost in the championship finals going for the three-peat last year to Arizona. Um, but Ray Tanner moving up to the AD chair, replaced by Chad Holbrook, who'd been previously uh, Baseball America's one of our assistant coaches of the year. Uh, long and decorated track record as an assistant coach. Uh, what was your thought process, Aaron, on that uh, transfer of power? Well, you know, because we live in a democracy, you know, I think we <laughs> should celebrate the fact that we had a peaceful transfer of power. I thought that was as, as smooth as it comes. Um, you know, that was uh, you, you've got your, your groomed, um, handpicked successor you know, ready to go. There was no need for them to look anywhere else. And, um, you know, it, it, boy, they were lucky. I mean, they were lucky to have that situation in place. Um, you know, it's, it's strange to think about South Carolina without Ray Tanner in the dugout. Uh, but you know, it, it seems like he was ready. Obviously, he was ready to to move on. And um, you know, they're they're very fortunate that I think you and I we we made it clear over the years how highly we regard Coach Holbrook and um, you know his ability to recruit and evaluate and, and teach all that stuff. He's going to be, I think, one of the great ones. I mean, when's the last time that there was a College World Series without Chad Holbrook in it? Two thousand five. I think <laughs> yes. as seriously as two thousand five. 
That might uh, be right. That might be right. I mean, because he, he, he's been at South Carolina for three seasons, all three years. I guess actually, no, that's not His correct. first year at South Carolina. Right. His first year at South Carolina, they didn't make it. You're right. They lost in a regional East Carolina. I was there. Yeah. I was there for that game. I believe Sam Dyson coming out of the bullpen. Uh, recently designated for assignment off the Blue Jays 40-man roster, Sam Dyson. So, yeah, I think there's been one College World Series since 2005 without Chad Holbrook in it, uh, which is amazing. Uh, Aaron, the other storyline, I didn't even prep you for this one. Just speaking of College World Series, we just uh, we just had a loss of one of the titans of college baseball, Ron Frazier, former coach at the University of Miami. Uh, it's been 22 years, I guess, 21 years since Ron Frazier's last year at the U. But the coach who won two national championships at Miami, 82 and 85, uh, coached the first official U.S. Olympic baseball team in 92 when baseball was first a medal sport, uh, a giant in the game. I was second in Division One victories when he retired, uh, only to Rod Dado, and a coach who really made college baseball a commodity and a, 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 a sport that people came to see that made college baseball a, a product, is what I mean, really mean to say, a consumer product. And uh, no one did it like Ron Frazier. And uh, so he, as Jim Callis aptly put it on Ask B.A., if you're doing a baseball, a college baseball uh, uh, Mount Rushmore, uh, he's on that Mount Rushmore with yeah. with Skip Bertman, who was his assistant coach at uh, Miami before he went to LSU, with Rod Dado and, and with Augie Garrido in his five national championships, which kind of made me think, Aaron, it's almost like we're going to need a new 21st century, uh, not maybe not 21st century because Augie's won too, but uh, the Mount Rushmore for this for this uh, BB Core era or however you want to call it. Oh, this common era that we're in now is still is still undefined. But uh, you know the 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 coaches who who have multiple national championships outside of uh, Andy Lopez and now that Ray Tanner has has moved on from coaching, Augie Garrido is still coaching. But uh, you know Texas uh, not in our preseason top twenty five. We'll, we'll transition to the preseason top twenty five in a second. But the Longhorns are not in it. Uh, it seems like we're having a, we're moving into a new era of the top coaches in the game are going to be a, there's a generational change going on. It feels yeah. like among college baseball true. coaches. I think that's true. And you've still got, you know, I mean, we're fortunate right now. I think we're in a, a wonderful age here where we've still got some of the old greats. You know, Mark Marquez has two titles, yep. of course. Good point. Um, you know, Wayne Graham is Wayne Graham is still around. I mean, um, you know, Mike Martin's still around. Some of these great coaches that have been doing it for a long time that, you know, are, are without question some of the all-time greats, even, you know, even if they don't have multiple titles in some cases. Right. But, um, I, I, I'm glad that we get to interact with these guys. And also, you're right. I mean, this 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 next generation of the Tim Corbins and you know, um, I guess I guess he, Mike Fox isn't quite in, in the next generation, but he's been he's been somebody that has really defined uh, his tenure here in the last eight years or so. No doubt. Um, um, you know, I mean, you've you've got uh, uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, Omaha, yeah. Right, he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna be great for a long time. I think I don't think anyone doubts that. Um, you know, so John Savage, you could throw in in this discussion certainly. I mean, this this kind of next wave of really really great coaches. Um, the game's in, in great shape. I mean, I think you know that's why you and I both get a little prickly sometimes when when certain people out there, you know. Uh, kind of impugn college baseball and and the people who are involved with it, and uh, you know it's because I think you and I both know um, how how great these coaches are. Many of them, uh, the majority of them, I think, are, are, are really good baseball people. 
and have the best interest of their players in mind. Yeah, they want to win, but I, I feel like very few of them are willing to, to sacrifice the uh, long-term futures of their players to do it. Um, and, and I think they teach the game very well, by and large. Um, yeah, I'm a college baseball apologist, I admit it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the game has won me over. I mean, you know, it, it's the, 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 the more I've become immersed in it over the years, uh, the more I like it and the more I respect it. The bottom line, Aaron, is that the rest of the, the major league part of the industry is coming around to our way of thinking. And the, yeah. for evidence of that, I present one of the other big stories of the offseason, Derek Johnson of Vanderbilt being hired by the Chicago Cubs. Uh, how could No one in college baseball or in the entire baseball industry would have ever conceived a decade ago of any major league team turning to Vanderbilt to save their franchise. But not to save the franchise, but the Cubs can't develop pitching. They have a one jack for more than a century. <laughs> you know, we talked to Jim Henry. You and I did it to Harry Carey's at the ABCA convention. Yeah. And I, we, I, I told Jim Henry I appreciated his, his candor in talking about uh, how he just you know, wanted to make that one move. Jim Henry's the best general manager basically in Cubs history. I don't think Cubs fans want to hear that. But the most recent string of success the Cubs had under Jim Henry was as good as the Cubs have had it since you know World War II. So, um, you know, the fact that the Cubs turned to Derek Johnson, the former Vanderbilt pitching coach, and the fact that there's, as we talked about during Trevor Bauer's career, a lot of college pitchers and a lot of, to me, the innovation uh, where professional teams are trying to figure out how to keep their pitchers healthy and how to keep their pitchers on the mound and getting out. And the innovations are not coming from the top down for Major League Baseball. They're coming from the bottom up. They're coming from pitchers. They're coming from young pitchers. They're coming from their pitching coaches. They're coming in many way times now from the college side. So, yeah, I think that the I think the industry is coming around our way of thinking. So, uh, college baseball, uh, you know, I, not not hard to get you and I advocating for the sport. But I think that the Cubs did it for us uh, when guys like Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and, J- and Jason McLeod, really bright guys with uh, with a lot of bling from their days in the Red Sox, uh, winning two World Ch- Championships. Uh, they endorse someone from college baseball like uh, Derek Johnson. I mean, that says a lot. That yeah. that that kind of brings us wraps up our off season a little bit, Aaron, and brings us into the 2013 season. And uh, you mentioned oh, we were just talking about Vanderbilt. You mentioned Mike Fox, Aaron. Those two programs, Vanderbilt and North Carolina, really were the the only two that we really discussed for our preseason number one. Were they not? I mean, did you did you? I mean. You, we both looked at it pretty hard. I mean, obviously, you're our point person. You're the beat writer on the college beat. Did you look seriously at any other team for number one, or was it just down to those two teams? Arkansas, especially at the start of the discussion, was involved as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I quickly kind of settled on Vanderbilt and North Carolina, which I think are just a little bit more complete than any, any other team out there. But it's close. I mean, and, and you know, when when people read our, our top 25 capsules, they'll notice that, uh, we gave all these teams, the first eight teams, the same, you know, OFP grade as we call it. The the they're all 65s. You know, they're they're not quite elite because I don't think there's a huge separation. I really don't between teams one through eight. Um, but but I do think for me it came down to UNC and Vanderbilt were the two teams that um, that just felt the most like number one teams and mostly because of their pitching. Um, in, in North Carolina's case, especially. I mean, that's why we ended up giving North Carolina the edge is is, is its pitching depth. Uh, and the accomplishments of its rotation. I mean, um, if you want to talk about pure talent of the rotation, you probably go with Vanderbilt, yep. um, with 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 Beattie and Zomek and and T.J. Pecoraro. But um, 
North Carolina's got three guys back that all had ERAs less than two last year. That's insane, John. Um, it is they're insane. all weekend guys too. I mean, these, these aren't you know these, these they weren't doing it in a, in a midweek role or a bullpen role. These guys were weekend guys, uh, and and they're and they're they're uh, you know and they got good stuff and they compete. They're proven commodities, and they've got a ridiculous stable of, of um, quality arms to back them up in the bullpen. I mean, that's that's the thing. Even without a proven closer, even without uh, the you know the two guys that they lost, Michael Morin and, and R.C. Orland in the bullpen, who are they're, they're kind of kind of stalwarts last year, uh, they've got incredible options. You know, with Mason McCullough and Chris McHugh and Luis Paula, and um, you know they've got Trevor Kelly, who's they, they're really excited about, is kind of the next Rob Wooten type guy for them. Um, you know, on and on. They've got about four other righties who could contribute. They've got three quality lefties. It's the pitching depth that stands out. Uh, it's it's the depth of the of the lineup too. I mean, I, I don't think this this doesn't strike me as an elite offensive team like a you know like a New Mexico or maybe a Georgia Tech. Some of those really I think explosive teams that are further down our rankings. But uh, I think it's going to be a balanced offense. Um, and and I, I again I like the depth. I like the options that they have on the bench. Um, I like the, the 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 leadership that they have. The the entire package to me uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, I really, uh, you know, the fact that North Carolina likes to go deep in their bullpen, likes to mix and match, go righty lefty. If you're going to go with the matchups, you know, you're going to basically look for six innings out of your starting pitcher, six seven innings, which is pretty much what they asked out of Hobbs Johnson, uh, <laughs> Ben Moss, and uh, Ken Emanuel. You usually gave him more than that, especially when he was on. Um, and I got to tell you, just uh, talking to Ken Emanuel and seeing him Saturday. At our Baseball America uh, College Preview Issue cover shoot, very excited about that. But uh, Ken Emanuel's got his man strength. That's a that that kid has. He's not the beanpole, you know, freshman lefty that a lot of people saw at the College Series uh, or in honor of Ray Tanner series in 2011. <laughs> uh, Ken Emanuel has filled out since he. What was that? Was a complete game, wasn't it, in Omaha in 2011? Yeah, I like, believe it was. It was, a, it was a shutout, wasn't it? To like a two nothing game. I think it was a shutout. I mean, I just remember he dealt, and this guy's bigger than that guy. He he's this Kent Emanuel is a lot bigger than that Kent Emanuel, and Colin Moran is bigger than that Colin Moran. He he, Colin Moran looks about as big and as jacked as his uncle B.J. Surhoff ever was, and he's much taller. Colin yeah. Moran is tall. He's like six three and every inch of six three, and yeah. he's a big There's, boy. I, all I can There's say leverage is, in there. There's leverage. That's one reason, you know, we, yeah. we gave their we gave their their power when we we're doing our grades here for our top twenty five caps. We gave their power grade a little bit of a you know a boost because I expect Moran's going to hit for some real power, and I think Cody Stubbs is going to be a quality senior. And you know, I like the the uh, you know Matt Roberts and Sky Bolt. These are guys who have some strength that you know they haven't done it, but I think they can do it, and I think they they will do it to some degree. Add some some more juice here, so th- this will be a, I think a, a more dangerous offense. I agree with you there, and to me, the the big X factor, like you said, I, the other point I wanted to come back to. I'm glad you brought me back to this. Is I agree with you that there's no elite team, and that 65 was the right OFP, because even North Carolina and Vanderbilt have have hickeys our top two teams, and for North Carolina, I think we would be remiss if we don't talk about the issues they they that they have. Like you said, no established closer. I feel like that's the least of their worries because they have so right. many options. I feel they'll find one, or they'll mix and match and committee it. Right. But I think they do have – I think we always are going to have concern, Aaron. Uh, you and I in these podcasts have been known to be a little uh, – almost overemphasize strength up the middle. Um, <laughs> what year was it that we did – we went crazy on that? I forget what year it was. But one of the years – I think we talked about that for 20 of the 25 teams in the, right, in the, in the right. podcast. 
But North Carolina does have a new starting catcher and a new starting shortstop. And last year, shortstop was an issue for them with Tommy Coyle, then sliding back over to second and the freshman Michael Russell stepping in. Uh, Russell's a great player for them to have a versatile, athletic sophomore with some right-handed thump. I mean, I really like Michael Russell. Uh, But they do have a freshman um, in Landon Lassiter, penciled in at shortstop. And Matt Roberts, their their junior catcher, may as well be a freshman in terms of his lack of experience. And just in terms of uh, what they will not have in that, that Jacob Stallings gave them last year, which was you know, for a team that has so many different pitchers, so many different arms, righties, lefties. You had a senior who was a quiet, dependable receiver with a cannon for, for an arm who really helped your pitcher focus on the batter. Didn't have to worry so much about the running game. Uh, talk a, a little bit about which which of those weaknesses do you feel do you feel is the toughest one for North Carolina to address? Well, I, I'm obviously I'm not overly worried about either of them, or else we wouldn't have had them number one. Right? Because I obviously, <laughs> like like you said, I mean we we really value strength up the middle uh, when we're evaluating college teams. But uh, but yes, that is also why you know this team didn't get a 70 grade uh, is because of those those questions. They those guys have to prove themselves. And um, you know, in, in the case of Matt Roberts, you know you've got a guy with pedigree. I mean, you remember seeing this guy at a high school. I liked him a lot. Um, you did like him a lot. He was a top 200 guy at a high school. Yeah. Um, he had arm strength. You know, he had juice. size, physicality. He's got juice in there. I mean, there's no reason after two years apprenticing under Jacob Stallings that this guy can't have a really good junior year, I think, John. I agree with um, you completely. I'm, I'm all in on Matt Roberts. And, and, and Landon Lasseter, you know, I mean, look, th- this guy could give them – Levi Michael or, or Josh Horton kind of, you know, three solid years or, or you know, or, as, as a quality player. I mean, he could be a star for them. He's got that kind of potential. I think the bat is short of those other two guys that I just mentioned. But, yeah. um, but you know, he's, he's, he's going to be able to play shortstop. They're confident from what they've seen. He's got the athleticism. He's got the actions. It's not a premium arm, but I think it's enough arm. Um, he can run. You know, he's, he's going to he's, he's gonna be a really good player, I think. In North Carolina, correct me if I'm wrong, they went to two or three college series in a row with Ryan Grable at shortstop. Yeah, I mean, they did, John. I mean, they did. I mean, I love Josh Horton. You know, Josh Horton, one of my all-time favorite college baseball players, grinder, lefty bat. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a sucker for a left-handed hitting shortstop. I don't know why, but I've always been a sucker for a left-handed hitting shortstop. Uh, we'll see what Lasseter can give them. But, uh, you know, shortstops, uh, you know, with, with these teams at the top, Aaron, we're nitpicking. Uh, all these are very good teams. With Vanderbilt at number two, we're nitpicking in that they are also breaking in a new shortstop. Uh, they have a little bit less new about them, Aaron, but the guys they returned don't have quite the accomplishment or the pedigree, especially on the mound. Uh, not pedigree, but the accomplishment at the college level that North Carolina has, specifically 2011 first-round pick Tyler Beatty, who had a little bit of a rocky freshman year, and yeah. Kevin Zomek, uh, who I think a lot of people thought was – if he wasn't the best uh, left-hander uh, in this junior class coming in a couple of years ago, he was number two or number three. And neither of those two guys, uh, Northeast kids who, who came to Vanderbilt, has, has quite set the world on fire yet in the Southeastern Conference. But it, it just feels like talent-wise, uh, this is a rotation that could be spectacular. It does. It does feel that way. And you know, Zomek, I thought, was very disappointing last year. I had big expectations for him and he could never get it going. And, uh, and, you know, look, Tyler Beatty was one in five last year, four and a half ERA. I mean, for an unsigned first round pick, that's a disappointment. Um, there's no other way to put it. So, you know, they, these guys, these Massachusetts guys, you know, Zomek, <laughs> Beatty, they got, they got Mike Yastrzemski. This, this team is loaded with Bay State flavor. I love this team. Um, you know, these Don't forget guys Rhett to... Weissman. Is it Rhett Weissman and on Rhett... this team? He's from Pennsylvania, isn't he? I thought it was from Massachusetts. Uh, I'm, I'm he went to some law school, high school, BB&M, okay. right? 
Gotcha. All right. Uh, anyway, these guys are, you know, these guys need to do it. That That's the key for Vanderbilt. Um, and, and Zomek, look, he was really good in the Cape. He's been good in the Cape in, in, in the past. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's reason to believe, um, all, you know, this, this could be a, a really, really stellar rotation if these guys live up to their talent. Um, but, uh you know, you're right. They're bringing a new shortstop too. There's some competition there with Joel McKeithen and, and then the freshman uh, Dansby Swanson, who I think is very talented. Um, sounds like McKeithen's got the the upper hand there because he's, uh, you know, he's a junior. He's been there, kind of learning the ropes again in that program. And um, you know, he's kind of like their version of Matt Roberts, except that shortstop. He's a guy that is kind of waiting his turn, and you know, he should be ready to do it. He should be ready to step right in there. Um, this team again has a ton of depth it's it's absurd how much depth they have you know you talk about you know xavier turner the another really talented freshman who, who could push for that third base job um you know the, the two arms the big arms walker bueller and carson fulmer uh which really strengthened that bullpen again this bullpen doesn't have you know that that lights out all america proven closer coming back um you know it doesn't have like a uh, you know, well, I guess Michael Wagner is going to say USD, but he's going to start for them this year. But anyway, um, but it's got depth. It's got absurd right. depth when it comes to all these power arms. But, you know, in, in this case, I think Vanderbilt is, is relying on more freshmen in the bullpen. Um, the guys that need to, again, need to prove themselves. I mean, you never know how freshmen are going to react to their first taste of Division One ball. So um, I like their bullpen a lot, though. I mean, I think this is a complete team. I love the fact they've got the seniors back with Harold and Yastrzemski. I think that was key for Vandy. Um, those guys are good players uh, who were, uh, provide great leadership and, and baseball savvy. I think that was the, you know, uh, I, I mean, I kind of had Vanderbilt by the slimmest of hairs over North Carolina, but it was really – uh, more based on on the fact they almost have almost giving them more credit for having more seniors. But when I really thought about it more, I thought I, I think I like North Carolina's team better, so I kind of uh, changed my vote. But I I do think, excuse me, as we've talked about before, it, with these new bats, it sure helps to have your man strength, and it sure helps to have you know older players and to rely less on uh, young guys. So you know, we'll see. But Vanderbilt does have you know t- to me the biggest issue is the gap between what their starting pitchers could be and what they have been. If they narrow that gap, yeah. uh, you know, the, they're going to be a, a, a stellar team. And I guess the other issue here with both our top two teams, Aaron, is that neither one of them even won a regional last year. Um, You're right. When, so at, the, at our cover shoot on Saturday, I was talking to Carlos Rodon and Trey Turner of North Carolina State, and they asked me where, where they ranked. And I said, well, here, you know, here's where you're ranked. And I said, who's number one? I said, well, we're still 100, having 100 percent pick this. I was trying to be coy, but I said we picked uh, North Carolina and Vanderbilt are the top two teams, and they just rolled their eyes at both. <laughs> really? And, uh, and they both said, well, we beat Vanderbilt last year in a regional. And it's like, yes, yes, you did. And then it was a great regional. I was thrilled to be able to watch most of it in person. And then North Carolina, they, you know, they, I think they, uh, you know, they played North Carolina pretty tight all year. Was it split two to two? Was it not? Uh, they won the regular season series and then lost the one game, uh, spectacular game in uh, in Greensboro, the ACC tournament. If not that, it was um, it was three to one. It was a t- it was three I, to I one. I think it was three to one North Carolina. I think that was the weekend, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Colin Moran got hurt and, and UNC found a way to win that series anyway. I believe you're. I believe you're right. I think you're right now. Thinking back uh, through the fog of the mount- these months. Um, I think they were more respecting us for North Carolina than they were for Vanderbilt. So That's uh, interesting. they were a little hot if they, they were right behind Vanderbilt, having 
return most of uh, most of their team. But uh, as you mentioned, Arkansas is our number three, Aaron, and uh, you know that's that's the team uh, out of this trio that went to Omaha last year. But quite a few uh, missing pieces for for Arkansas compared to last year's team. But the number one impetus behind them making it to Omaha last year, their lights out, ridiculous pro level bullpen, that's yeah. back intact. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. That's that's uh, boy. Uh, you know, we love you and I. I think both we love those teams that can shorten a game dramatically, like like these guys can. Um, you know, and and here's the amazing thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should give away our our preseason All America team at all, but here's a, here's a teaser. Um, the guy who has 11 saves coming back for Arkansas, who is fantastic, and is the guy that we're listing as their closer in, in our in our projected starting lineups. He's not the guy who's the first team preseason All-American voted on by scouting directors. So <laughs> what does that tell you about how good this bullpen is? Yeah, and I mean, they lost Nolan Sandburn, who couldn't crack that group, at least couldn't crack the, crack the back of that bullpen. was like a middle guy. He's yeah. a second round, and he was a second-round pick. So right. their bullpen was insane last year. They add some depth. Um, you know, guys like, you know, we'll see if about uh, Kate Lynch, but like a Colin Pochet, who was a unsigned fifth round pick and uh we'll see what kind of uh ramifications there are from him getting arrested uh last week uh, i don't think was... he was going to be a key piece this year anyway i think he's more of a projection guy exactly i think he was also it was it would be like a spotted lefty he'd be picking your spots but that's not a guy they were looking at for more than any more than 30 innings i wouldn't imagine right um and, and we're giving short we're talking about the bullpen the rotation's plenty good too here Aaron. with uh, starting with ryan stanick who again uh like kent emmanuel two years ago Brian Stanek looked awfully good in the College World Series last year. He did, and he's got premium stuff. I mean, this guy is, is you know, he's electric. He always has been since high school, um, and he's he's refined it. He's becoming more of a pitcher. He's got a four-pitch mix and two really good breaking balls. Um, he's, he's improved his changeup, uh, you know, and it's lights out. Uh, velocity and the ability to get swing and misses. I think he's. I think he's awfully good, and, and certainly he's a top flight number one starter. Sounds like Randall Fant behind him is is much improved. Um, he's finally added that breaking ball. He's got kind of a kind of a cutter that he's he's developed, which is what he needed because he's really a fastball changeup guy. And and last year, you you know, it's, I think it's pretty amazing that this, this staff, you know, they went as far as they did when they they really only had one starter. That, that consistently pitched deep into the game for him. I mean, Fant was like a four or five inning guy last year. I mean, it right. was, uh, he needs to give them a lot more this year. And, and, uh, and I think he will. I mean, it sounds like they're very optimistic about that. And after that, the Sunday spot's a little bit of, of a question mark. Um, but Trey Killian sounds like the leading candidate. He sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Trey Killian guy. I talked to scouts about him last year doing Arkansas draft coverage. Uh, everybody was high on Trey Killian. I mean, this is a real athlete. And he didn't have a great senior year. He he just was more inconsistent than anything else. But everyone agrees the ingredients are there for Trey Killian to be, yeah. you know, kind of uh, the next great Arkansas starter. And we, we were talking about college coaches uh, before. Again, another guy who kind of straddles these generations is, uh, you know, is Dave Van Horn, who won a Division II national championship at Central Missouri, has taken two teams to Omaha and Nebraska, where he built that program really from nothingness unto being. And now it has alma mater there in Arkansas, where they've got a waiting list for the uh, you know, for the, the skyboxes and the, uh, you know, the, just the ballpark atmosphere, it sounds like at uh, Bomb Stadium is pretty much unrivaled. So um, I think between the, the pitching, we, we feel very confident about Arkansas's pitching. I guess, Aaron, the real question is, will they hit? And uh, the big move for them yeah. this offseason, the big news in their lineup seems to be the move of Dominic Ficcicello off of first base, 
moving him to second base and kind of the other possibilities that opens up for them. Right, exactly. That that will be big for them. Um, you know, that allows them to get uh, uh, Fisher's bat in the lineup, and that's a guy that um, that they think can provide some some more juice in there. Um, and it sounds like Figueroa is well suited for second base. I mean, I, I remember when I first heard that they were going to make that move, I kind of kind of made a face like, what what is that? Doesn't this make any sense? But let's face it, Figueroa makes it. everybody make the face a little bit. <laughs> he's not anybody's favorite player. He's he's you know he's. Uh, he's got to to keep his cool a little better this year. I think that's that's uh he's got to stay focused, and you know that that's a factor. I mean, they they sat him down and told him that this this fall they need him to be more mature. Um, I guess well, the way I put I should put that is I've seen it. I've seen that I, I, he plays with a lot of flair. He unlike Jennifer Aniston, he likes to talk about his flair, <laughs> and I've seen it both ways actually. And I saw it last year in Omaha where he wasn't hitting, and when he plays like that, the way he plays. It makes you look bad, but when when it's rolling up, when it when it's when it's rolling uphill, that's just extra distraction. The game's hard enough, yada yada. When it's rolling downhill, like when he was playing very well as a freshman for USA College National Team, he was the favorite of his teammates. I shouldn't say he's nobody's favorite player. I remember he was Marcus Stroman's favorite. <laughs> you know, he was Michael hmm. Walker's favorite. He I remember him going back and forth on Twitter with all those guys. So as a freshman, I think when he was playing with confidence, and those balls were falling. It plays differently than when you're a sophomore and you're not really showing a lot of improvement. Your team kind of needs that middle of the lineup power source and you're not quite providing that. It comes off differently. So I, I think I'm a little bit hard on Dominic Ficcicello. Um, but does seem like he has, uh, according to Dave Van Horn, matured some. So And, and, and they yeah. need him. They need, they, right. need, they need him to be a, a big time player in the middle of their lineup. You're right. You're right. And, and and I should say one more thing. I should backtrack for a second here. I neglected to mention DJ Baxendale last year. So they actually had two quality starters in their rotation. Although that's, Baxendale you know, was iffy, though. He was up and down was. for them last year. He had a very rough first half. and But by the end, though, I think he was he was a lot better. Um, but anyway, you know, the question is, will this team hit? I, I think it will. Um, again, this is one of those teams where you've, you've got a bunch of guys who've kind of been waiting in the wings, who have the talent and now need to do it. You know, they, they, they've got their opportunities. They're going to count on those sophomores like Joe Serrano and Brian Anderson. Those guys need to, to carry a lot of the, the, the weight here. Um, you know, they need uh, – they, they're really excited about this Brett McAfee kid uh, who's yep. going to play shortstop, the transfer from Panola. Um, you know, he, he sounds like he's got a lot of athleticism, kind of quick twitch guy with some speed. Uh, and then you got Willie Schwanke, the freshman, who uh, can really hit, I think. So um, you've got a bunch of unknowns in this lineup, or, or unprovens, I should say. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're they're going to – be a bad offense. I think those guys could could all perform. Seems to be pretty good. It's definitely a, an offense that has less uh, history and less proven talent compared to the two teams ahead of it in Vanderbilt and North Carolina. Aaron, right. the rest of our top ten has a lot of pretty familiar names: uh, LSU, Stanford. Um, uh, I'm, I'm already just I just breezed by South Carolina. I don't know why I breezed by South Carolina. Right. The O State Ballers, Oregon State, Mississippi State, which. Hasn't been as consistent a national power in the last few years, but has been Omaha as recent as 2007. But the uh, you know uh, we have the two kind of interlopers to me are North Carolina State, which hasn't been in the College World Series since 1968, and Louisville, which has only recently been to College World Series 2007. Really doesn't have a a, a long na- national history otherwise. I mean, six all-time regional appearances uh, for Louisville. But the Cardinal at number uh, Louisville Cardinals at number four in our preseason rankings, 
And Aaron, again, uh, I, I think this is a sign of the times for college baseball that a team like Louisville, with their pitching, that that strength of power arms and pitching uh, can vault them so far up the top yeah. 25. Because I think in, a, in, the, in the old era, a team that was basically a pitching, defense, and speed profile like Louisville has would not have ranked fourth. But in the BB core era, it makes all kinds of sense to me to have a team like Louisville with their depth of arms and their athleticism yeah. ranked this high. I agree. And, and I think they're going to be a very potent offensive team, too. I really do. I, I like, first of all, I think they've got more, a lot more power than they had last year because this team had very little power last year. Uh, I mean, they need guys like, um, you know, Jeff Gardner. Um, and, and, you know, Zach Wasserman and, and the newcomer Coco Johnson, a, a Juco transfer. They need those guys uh, to, you know, to, to do it. I mean, they need to hit. They need to hit for some power. Um, but I, I think they have the ability to. Um, I think this lineup is pretty deep. They, they've got a lot of guys who've hit, proven hit, got hit for average. I mean, got a, this team ranked 20th in the nation in scoring last year, you know, and they've got almost everybody back. Um, so, you know, I think it's a very balanced team. Um, this team, you know, when we did our, our, our little – our grades, we kind of averaged them all out to on, on a spreadsheet. You know, this team scored very high. This team in Mississippi State, I think, were the two highest scoring teams. If you just go on on the grades with an average, um, you know, so I, I think that the talent here uh, is, is impressive. The depth is impressive, and and you know, you talk about a program that has has really come together in this new era. Um, you know, I think you got to throw Dan McDonald's name into the list of coaches with with, with O'Sullivan and. And Savage and these guys that are kind of the next generation of great coaches in college baseball, him and Jim Schlossnagel. I mean, some of these guys are going to be in that mix, too. No doubt. I mean, uh, the thing to me that stood out for Louisville is that when I think of this team, I think of you know, that 07 team was a real, you know, it was a, it was a powerhouse team offensively. Chris Dominguez. I think of Adam Duvall, who hit 30 home runs this year in the Cal League and the Giants organization. I think of a guy like Orion Wright, who was not a pure power guy, but was a Mill the lineup hitter for for USA College National Team, and these yeah. are the kind of Stuart Imes who they just graduated. But you know, those are the kind of guys I think of. But I guess what I really probably should think of is that even when Dan McDonald first got there, that 07 team had Boomer Whiting, and yes, he, he had did. guys like Chris Cates. So he's always kind of had speed guys. I guess the main thing is that Dan McDonald's pretty much always had talented teams there, and uh, so so he kind of just should give it. But to me, the, the where their team really kind of pivots. As uh, Adam Engel, as this table setter, I'm, I'm an adult. Adam Engel's kind of a cheese ball. Saw him in the Coastal Plain League two years ago, and then uh, you know the 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 pitching depth and the depth of power arms. Yeah. Aaron, it really seems like Chris Lemonis, their recruiting coordinator, kind of has locked up the Midwest for for Louisville. They go into Illinois and the surrounding areas, and they kind of seem like they get the pick of the litter. And then Roger Williams, uh, pitching coach, did a great job in North Carolina, then in Georgia, and now here at Louisville. Dan McDonald's been able to keep assemble a very good staff, keep that staff together, and they've had a lot of success together. It be, you know, and it's a testament partly to the uh, the commitment of that athletic department. And everyone yeah. talks about how great their their AD is, um, their 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 ballparks getting another facelift this year. Um, you know, this 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 athletic program cares about baseball. They want to win at every sport. You know, um, and that certainly includes baseball. And um, you know, he's. They've got a good thing going there, and and I think this team's going to be really good. I think it's an Omaha team, um, and uh, you know I'm I'm excited to see Louisville and Kentucky this year because th- those are two teams that I think are both in for banner years. It's going to be a fun year for baseball in that state. Well, that's it. Uh, that's another uh, brings us to another great uh, story idea we have this year, Aaron. I mean, we've got uh, you know North Carolina and NC State 
at North Carolina number one preseason, NC State number eight in our preseason rankings. NC State uh, has not been to the College World Series, like I said, since 1968. That's their only appearance. Uh, this is the school that gave college baseball Ray Tanner. He was a, uh, he's an NC State alum, coached at NC State through 1996 uh, before moving on to South Carolina. You know, the ballpark at NC State used to just be a really a, a high school field that was unsafe to go watch a game at. It was so, uh, I mean, it was it was like a treehouse for a press box. I mean, it <laughs> was a cracked concrete behind home plate. It was kind of a joke. How Ray Tanner ever won there, I have no idea. But uh, now they have a, a 21st century facility. It's certainly not a show place, but it's a representative, solid, utilitarian ballpark. And really, to me, Aaron, I look at Carlos Verdon and Trey Turner and Brett Austin and that now sophomore class at NC State, kind of the same way I look at North Carolina with uh, their freshman class back in the, the, the recruiting class of 2003 uh, was when those guys were high school seniors, the Andrew Miller, Daniel Bard class. That, yeah. that freshman group at NC State uh, could change the trajectory of that program for a long time, but for the near future, it'll be a stunner to me if NC State doesn't go to Omaha in the next uh, you know two years with Rodon Turner and company. It's funny that you should say that because I, I, I talked to Elliot Avent just yesterday, and we had the exact same conversation where I, I kind of compared this group of players with with that North Carolina group, Miller and Bard, and and, and those guys that that elevated that program. That program, you know, hadn't been to Omaha since 1989. Before we went that first time in in, in 2006, um, you know, so it took that that watershed group, you know, and, and Josh Horton and all these great players yeah. there that that uh, the Flax and Franks and you know, and then you you kind of kept it going with with Ackley and, and White and Seeger, um, but you know, once you get there, once you get the first group that kind of raises the game for you, it's it's easier to keep it going. I mean, you know, uh, David Price and Pedro Alvarez made it easier to get, um, you know, Walker Bueller and Tyler Beatty, you know, exactly. down the road. I mean, uh, so you know, yes, I think I think and Coach Avon agreed that this 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 program does. Or that this class rather does have that ability to to raise the the whole program up, and and it's interesting talking to Carlos Rodon about it. Um, he you know he wants to do that. He wants to make his mark. He wants to build something physically as well as uh, metaphorically speaking. You know, he wants to leave his mark in a way that when he's gone, I mean, it helps him even improve the stadium further. I mean, he really he is somebody who's 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 thinking about his legacy already. Um, and and you know I feel like those guys are so driven and their their makeup is is special in addition to their talent. Um, it's it's yeah I think they're they're really they need to get to Omaha with this group of players that is imperative and I think they they will. Yeah I agree with you they they need to 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 leave their stamp on to really uh, some significance. But Carlos Rodon was our freshman of the year last year. Um, he is just a he's just a physical beast, and uh, he is uh, one between him and Trey Turner. Those are two of the most fun college baseball players I've had the chance to see on a consistent basis um, in my yeah. 16 years of Baseball America. And then, Aaron, uh, what are the other teams that we mentioned in our top 10 at number five? Speaking of fun, <laughs> is Mississippi State, a team where last year we talked about what they have, nine, 12 players throwing 90 miles an hour or something crazy like that. Right. Their, their pitching depth was so impressive they couldn't keep anybody healthy. I feel like this is a team that's got a really high ceiling, Aaron, with their athleticism, their pitching depth, and eh, maybe I'm overestimating it, but one of the biggest X factors in college baseball to me is Hunter Renfro because this is this guy who was just torn up summer college baseball the last two years, but he hasn't done in the Cape. He did in the Cal Ripken League. Uh, raw, big-time tools, 
it seems like between him keeping C.T. Bradford healthy, getting a little bit more out of the massive first baseman Wes Ray, this is a team that either they could survive and be a good team like they were last year with pitching and defense and and scrapping, or if some of those pieces come together around the the steadiest you go shortstop Adam Frazier, this could be an explosive offense. That's it. Exactly. This this team does have upside. It's got a lot of experience. You know, I think the fact that they were able to, to keep it together last year and get hot at the right time and win the SEC tournament at the end of the year, they, they, they were peaking at the right time because they were healthy. And, um, you know, they, they were confident because they didn't wilt when they were dealing with all those injuries early on, um, you know, with Bradford out and, and you know, Daryl Norris was out and, you know, on and on. It seemed like it was just one, one after the other. Every week there was somebody else who was getting hurt. Um, and so the result is this team is, is battle-tested and experienced. They've got 11 guys back who all started – uh, I think it's 27 or more games last year. Um, you know, you, so you, you've got, got, I think, experienced players, um, you know, having those guys in your offense, even if, even if they're not elite talents, uh, it, it helps, it helps, you know, you execute and it just makes you a better offensive team when you have that cohesion. And then they do have some really good talents in there. You talked about Renfro. I mean, there are a few players in college baseball that have more raw talent than Hunter Renfro. Um, he is one of the great X factors in college baseball. And I think Bradford, CT Bradford is very talented. He's a guy that is, when he's healthy, he's very disruptive, um, you know, dynamic player. I think Adam Frazier is a dynamic player who uh, uh, gets on base at a very high clip. You know, he works counts. He, he, uh, um, he can bunt. He, he's got a really nice line drive swing. He hits for average and he can run a little bit. So um, he's a, a very good all-around player. Uh, and they've got, again, they've got a lot of depth. Um, yes, this will be a much better offensive team this year. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Um, they need to uh, establish themselves in the rotation. You know, Chris Stratton is gone now. I mean, you're, you're relying on – you've got the senior Kendall Graveman, which is a really nice anchor to have at the top of your rotation. Uh, but then you need these two really talented sophomores, I think Jacob Lindgren and, and Brandon Woodruff. Um, you were very, very high on, on Woodruff, I know, out of high school. He was, uh, what, an unsigned fifth-round pick, if I recall. Yep. Yep. Um, he's got great stuff. and. And I was—I've always been very high on, on Jacob Lindgren since I remember talking to people about him in that part of the country when I was doing recruiting stuff. Um, you know, he's—he's he's one of those little kind of undersized lefties with with kind of a thick body. Reminds me a little bit of, of a Brandon Finnegan at, at Texas Christian. Nice, um, where, nice where he, you know, he, Yeah, he comes at you with power stuff. You know, and he's got the really good sharp breaking ball. Um, I think those guys are going to be good. We know their bullpen is fantastic. I mean, they got a, a, a stellar closer back with Jonathan Holder and, and a very deep supporting cast. So this team is good. Um, I think uh, you know there's, there's a reason this team this team scored again very high in the fit matrix, John, which is a, <laughs> which is a helpful tool. You know, it kind of gives you a, a, a glance at these teams. Uh, Love the fit matrix. Um, you love the fit matrix. I know I you do. do. I love the but, fit um, matrix. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so this awesome. This is this is. This is an Omaha team. It's got to. I mean, this, this, as much as they got back, you know, anything can happen in the postseason. You you get a bad draw. Or you just you're not hot at the right time. But on paper, this is an Omaha team. Aaron, uh, I'm. What I meant to mention uh, when we talked about, I, we mentioned North Carolina, North Carolina State. This rivalry, these two longtime rivals. They played this ridiculous game last year in the ACC tournament that you and I were privileged to go to, biggest attendance in the history of the state of North Carolina for an amateur game. Uh, Rodon, nine scoreless innings. Ben Moss matched him for six or seven. Uh, North Carolina wins it in the 12th innings. The outrageously good college baseball game. Uh, these two rivals at one and eight. We have Kentucky and Louisville. Louisville at four. Kentucky at 11. That's the highest that the Wildcats have ever been ranked in our preseason poll. 
And Kentucky had what a 21-22 game win streak last year. I mean, they got off to an ama- got off to an amazing start. <laughs> Kentucky got off to an amazing start last year. Aaron, uh, crying. I think they cried foul, probably uh, accurately so yes. that they didn't get to host a regional and that Miami did. They should have hosted a regional. They should have hosted. I thought they, that was highway robbery. And then they played that epic. How long was that game they played against Purdue? It was it was a long game. It was this crazy long. <laughs> they just had a very noteworthy season last year, Kentucky, and but they but they aren't they aren't going away. <laughs> that was a yeah. team that had a a seminal uh, freshman class. Really, just uh, even if you just want to focus it on two players, uh, really I guess three starters or sophomores for them in AJ Reed, Max Kuhn, and Austin Cousineau. But Cousineau and Reed, maybe they're not quite Rodon and Turner, but they're not far off at all. Yeah, that's it. I mean, those guys are those guys are stellar. You know, I think you've got um, one of the one of the, the more exciting position players out there with Cousineau, a, a guy who's a real catalyst atop the lineup, who also has some power. Um, he's a very good defender. I mean, he's a really good, balanced all around player. Uh, and then AJ Reed, you know, you talk about multi talented. I mean, this guy is, is I, I always think of him as kind of the next coming of Brian Johnson in Florida, uh, who was uh, what a first round pick, wasn't he by the Red Sox yeah, last Sox, year? Yep. I mean, this guy's got a very similar skill set. It's a, it's a power bat from the left side with that big body, um, and, and and it's and it's good stuff on the mound. It's very similar stuff to what Brian Johnson had. So, um, you know, those guys have, those guys are serious impact players, um, and and that group has a chance to elevate Kentucky's program. You're absolutely right. The same way that Turner and Radon and Fincher and Austin are those guys at NC State. And, and then. Uh... The other kind of the other state that's in here, I mean, there obviously more than one state that's like this. But I think of Oregon and Oregon State, the Civil War. Um, yeah. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon. Uh, oh, obviously, Oregon State has won two national championships in those six and those seven. North Carolina fans don't like to hear about those state ballers, but uh, they are still balling. Um, and then the Ducks, who had no program, and then as a result, basically as a reaction to uh, Oregon State and their national championships. And the money that's flowed into Oregon with Nike and their football program, uh, they start a program, and George Horton gets them to the to the doorstep of Omaha last year. Just a unbelievably hard fought super regional that you happened to be at last year between Kent State and Oregon. Uh, we've got the, the the Beavers ahead of the Ducks this year, but these are this is another rivalry that didn't need a baseball rivalry to take it up a notch, but to, but it's got one now, and uh, we, we both feel like Oregon State, Aaron, has a chance to be really spectacular. Yeah, this once again when you break them down on paper, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, where's the where's the weakness here? You know, I mean, I think this is one of the more offensive teams they've had there uh, since this whole run started because you now you've got some real power in the middle with Michael Conforto, uh, potentially with Dylan Davis. Uh, you know, Danny Hayes I think is finally healthy. He could have a really big senior year for them. Um, you know, again, you've got a lot of depth in this lineup, like like Mrs. Mississippi State, you've got a lot of veterans back. Um, you know, you've got athleticism um, with uh, with Tyler Smith and, and you know uh, Ryan uh, Barnes and Joey Matthews. These are these are you know good all around versatile players, uh, and then lots of arms. I mean, power arms in the rotation. This is one, another one of those rotations with a lot of upside. I think with Wetzler, um, the power lefty, and, and Matt Boyd moving into the rotation, um, where I think he's well suited to succeed. He, he does need to prove though that he can he can. And succeed in that role because he's he's been in the bullpen his first three years in college, uh, and then Dan Child, who once again you know is a guy that that people I think a lot of scouts project as a bullpen guy at the next level, uh, but you know he he's he started last year through 107 innings, 
Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, I think he's got the ability to be very good in the middle of that rotation. So you got left, right, left, three power guys, um, and then, you know, proven closer with Tony Bryant. So this team's good. And, and uh, again, I mean, there's, there's, there's not a, a glaring hole here. Yeah, does it seem like Oregon State was a team that finished the year so strong last year? Then they sweep Oregon at the end of the year. So they were going into the NCAA right. tournament to high, but then they ran into that LSU team, which was an outstanding team. Um, you know, lost, you know, twice to LSU in the Baton Rouge Regional. Um, but Oregon State seems like a team that was young and uh, very poised uh, toward the end of the year, got better, and now this year poised to kind of take that next step. That's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Um, Aaron, I, you know, the rest of our top, uh, you know, 12, 15 teams, I mean, like I said, we have a lot of pretty familiar faces there. I didn't even mention the other rivalry, Mississippi, Ole Miss at number 13 with Mississippi State there at uh, at five. You know, it's just like Ole Miss and Kentucky, I guess, are really the only two uh, SEC teams that have not been to the college series in the last, what is it, 15 years. Um, and now the SEC hmm. this year adds Missouri and Texas A&M from the Big 12. Uh are, are Ole Miss or Kentucky going to go to the College Series before as SEC members before Missouri and Texas A&M? It, you know, you, you'd think that both those teams, Ole Miss and Kentucky, have a chance to get there this year. We talked about Kentucky already, and, and you know, we hadn't even talked about how good their rotation is. Those three lefties are back, and they're all improved. Um, and they've got, you know, again, another proven closer with Trevor Gott. I think Kentucky's balanced and, and has Omaha kind of ability. Uh, and, and Ole Miss, to me, is a really good pitching and defense and speed kind of a unit here. Love the rotation uh, with Bobby Wall, Mike Myers, who I think is for some reason a little bit underrated. I feel like Mike Myers uh, has good stuff and he's, he's durable and, um, you know, he, he's, he could go pretty good in the draft next year too. And then you got Chris Ellis, the emerging sophomore, who should power stuff this fall. Um, again, you've got a nice one-two punch in the bullpen with, with the senior Brett Huber, who's, you know, proven uh, – proven bulldog back there. And then you got the, the emerging guy, Houghton Buchanan, uh, the big power right-hander. It's a nice combination back there. They can shorten games. I love the speed on this team. Uh, I think they're going to play good defense. I'm not completely sold on the offense, but, uh, but I think it has a chance to be a pretty good offense because I think they'll be able to manufacture runs um, with all these, these uh, kind of athletes that they have. And they've certainly tried the mashing route in the old, yeah. with the old bats. Um, you know, they've, they've tried that route and the Steven heads and the Seth Smith's and the, uh, Brian Petways of the world. So why not try the pitching and defense route when the bats, when the bats have changed, uh, and then Aaron, I, I, out of the rest of our, uh, top 25, uh, some of the teams I wanted to focus on there, there, there's some, there's some big names that are missing uh, Miami, Texas, uh, but the, the 16 to 25 range kind of has a lot of big name schools, um, you know, traditional powers that are still in there, like a Rice, like a Florida. You know, the Gators, we've talked about the Gators an awful lot the last three years, Aaron. It's a it's a new era in Florida with uh, the, that freshman class finally having graduated the Zanino, Fontana class. We talked so much about. They were so hyped. They lived up to the hype in a way with three straight trips to the College World Series, and they did not live up to the hype without a national championship. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how- to me. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's interesting to me that, you know, I think the last three years was really all about 
South Carolina and Florida, those are the teams that to me are, are you know, very memorable. And yeah, you had UCLA and you had Arizona obviously win a title, but um, you, know, you had other teams reach the heights. But those three teams were, were there every year um, in Omaha, and, and you know, they, they played for the national title one of those years. And there was kind of this dichotomy between the, the extraordinarily talented Florida team and the South Carolina team that did have talent, but not as much, but you know, was, was just an incredibly good team. I mean, that just the play it above itself. Um, and, you know, now both those, those teams are kind of entering new eras. You talked about Florida with that whole group, you know, the Fontanas and Brian Johnson's and Zanino's and Austin Maddox's, all those guys are gone. Paco Rodriguez. Um, Paco Rodriguez, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then South Carolina now, obviously a new era with, with Ray Tanner gone, first of all, Michael right. Roth and, and Matt Price gone and Christian Walker. I mean, both these teams have a lot of turnover um, and they could both get back to Omaha this year. I mean, really, they really both could. I think South Carolina is the team that we're a little higher on um, because I, I like the fact that they've got their key pieces back up the middle with Grayson Griner and Joey Pancake, who I think are, are poised to have really good sophomore years. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I think they actually still have pretty good pitching back. I mean, Jordan Montgomery and, and Colby Holmes are proven guys on a big stage. They're very excited about this Jack Weinkoop, the, the freshman left-hander. Um, Max Schrock is going to be an impact freshman for them. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Um, they've got nice complimentary pieces in the lineup. You know, LB Danzler's back. There, there's, there's a lot back for South Carolina. Right. Even though they've lost a lot. It's a new identity for this team. Uh, and, and in Florida's case, you know, it's, it's, they've got the pitching to carry them. I mean, it, it, theoretically, they need Carson Whitson to be Carson Whitson, um, which he wasn't last year, you know. Um, but, but potentially with... Jonathan Crawford, Carson Whitson, and whoever on Sunday, whether it's Keenan Kish or Daniel Gibson or, you know, take your pick. They've got – seems like they've still got a, a ton of arms back there. Um, you know, that could be a dominant rotation potentially. Uh, and then you've got uh, – again, you've got like kind of uh, – like Arkansas, you've got some guys who've been waiting in the, the wings here. You know, your, your, uh, your, ta- your Taylor Gushus and your Justin Schaefer's kind of got their feet wet a little bit last year, but um, now they're going to take – you know, bigger parts of the offense. Uh, you know, I'm a big Vikash Ramjit guy. Uh, he's I your do. impact senior. <laughs> I mean, again, you've got some familiar faces sprinkled in with some newcomers. I think, I think Vikash the, Ramjit is like the, the Hindu way to say Hunter Renfro. I mean, you really, <laughs> <laughs> you love Vikash Ramjit. And you have, I will say you have more reason. He's given you more reason to love Vikash Ramjit. He's done a little bit more to college player I think, than, than Hunter Renfro true. has. That's true. Um, and, and he's going to have to be... A, the real, real force in the middle lineup for them this year. This team has a lot less offensive firepower. Uh, and, and the other thing is they've got real question marks, I think, defensively in the outfield. Um, right. With, you know, they, need, they could really use Taylor Ratliff if he can get eligible, uh, the transfer from Jacksonville. Uh, he could be a huge difference maker for them. I think they would probably climb a few spots in the rankings if, if they had that guy. So well, t- that is to be determined. I'm a, I'm a Taylor Ratliff guy. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. Aaron, uh, you know, so, so Rice is back in these rankings. Uh, you know, Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma is a team that's won a national championship. It's been Omaha as recently as 2010. And then Florida State. I think you know, we were talking about Florida. I just think you know, Florida State's a team, Aaron, that it, it feels like there were, you just can't do a college preseason top 25 without the Seminoles in it. I mean, I, I can't think of a team other than Florida that lost more than Florida State did in terms of what James Ramsey meant to that team last year and also – just what he did on the field, how much, how productive he was. Uh, then you also had Jace Boyd. You had Devin Travis. They lost um, Sherman, Sherman Johnson. Yeah. Nice play. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they basically lost an infield with the exception of, 
they're keeping their shortstop and Justin Gonzalez who came back as a senior. Um, but it just feels like, I mean, I, I think uh, the way you wrote it in the preview is exactly right. You, this, if anyone's earned the benefit of the doubt, dad gummit, it's the Seminoles. <laughs> they're so consistent. You know, every year it seems like there's question marks. Last year it was pitching heading into the season. That's why they weren't, I think they weren't in our top 20 last year. They were somewhere in that 2025 range in the preseason because you've got, you know, oh, you got freshmen, Brandon Lebrand and Mike Compton. Those are, those are the guys you're counting on to lead your rotation. Okay, well, they go out there and they, they become freshman All-Americans and Florida State's back in Omaha. I mean, it's just uh, now you've got kind of established guys in the rotation because Lee Branton Compton and, and Scott Seitz have done it. Um, but you've got all these new faces in the lineup, you know, with, with, with uh, um, DJ Stewart, the freshman, who I think is going to be a good player for them, a, a really good player. I think he's going to be their next star. Um, you know, you're counting on the transfers like Marcus Davis, um, you know, second base is – a newcomer, whether it's Alvin Swoop or, or, or Casey Smith, another Juco guy. Uh, uh, you need more out of your sophomores, John Nagowski and, and Jose Brizuela. Um, you know, so there's some, there's some question marks here, but um, they teach hitting so well there, you know, within their system. Uh, their players, no matter who their personnel are, they take walks, they get on base, they go the other way. Um, they, they drive you crazy. Uh, as a pitching staff, so um, they're going to be fine. I mean, they're going to, you know, they're once again they're going to compete for the ACC title. They do every year. It's just amazing. I, I mean, he was our coach of the year last year for the first time, Mike Martin. I just the the numbers with him can just make your head hurt. <laughs> he, they've won fifty games twenty four times in his thirty three <laughs> seasons. Last year was the last year was the twenty fourth, um, you know, uh, fifty win season. And then I guess in 2007, they won 49 games. They vacated four of those, so now they're officially 45 and 13. I'm not sure why that happened. I, I apologize for not knowing that. They've won. He has a 743 a... winning percentage for his career, Aaron, in 33 Jeez. years. There are only two sub 700 winning percentages in the last, you know, 30 years. So I mean, this guy's just. Uh, uh, there's just no one in college baseball who's been as consistent as Mike Martin, and it's uh, and and like you said, so you you look at the pieces there, and maybe uh, by a usual Baseball America standard, maybe by the fit matrix, <laughs> you know they're not a classic yeah. top 25 team, but but this is a team that that's earned the benefit of the doubt for sure. Um, and then I guess the other most interesting club in our top 25, at least for me, Aaron, uh, two more I want to mention. Uh, New Mexico, and then the University of Arizona defending the national champions. Let's talk about the Wildcats first. Defending the national champions, uh, they're at 24. Uh, had a chance to talk to Andy Lopez a little bit uh, while we were making a toast at the uh, ABCA convention there in Chicago a couple weeks ago. Uh, pretty different cast of characters for Arizona. Feels like, even though uh, it feels like they lost about as much as anybody, even compared to Florida, maybe. Uh, yeah. When you think about the line drive aspect of their team, the fact that they relied so heavily on their ace uh, at the front of the rotation and Kurt, Kurt Heyer, Heyer, the way that uh, Eddie Blankenship talked about, you know, our our goal was to get higher out of the game. We had 17 hits and he's still in there, you know, um, when St. John's played them in the, in the Super Regional. Um, so losing higher and losing that, that infield that had played so much together and so well, especially on the left side with, Alex Mejia, the Pac-12 Player of the Year, and Seth Mejia's Breen at third base. Uh, feels like some some pretty difficult losses to overcome yeah. for the Wildcats, but the cupboard's not bare this year either. 
No, it's not. I mean, you've still got your, your nice, a nice core of Omaha veterans here to lead the way with Connor Wade, obviously, with, with James Ferris, who won the, the, the CWS clincher, even though he hadn't pitched in 22 days before that. Right. Uh, so, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a key part of the run to Omaha, but he, he was a key in winning the title. He beat Michael Roth, for God's sake. Oh, well, he, I should say they both got no decisions, but he, he, he started the game and, and outpitched Michael Roth. Um, you know, and then Johnny Field, um, you know, that's the other key part of the lineup here. You got Brandon Dixon, who was a really a part-time player last year, but that's the guy who hit the game-winning RBI double in the College World Series clincher. So, right. um, you know, Riley Moore and Trent Gilbert, you know, Trent Gilbert, if you recall, came up really big in that last game. I mean, these guys have proven themselves on the big stage. They're, you know, besides Field and Wade, those are your only two proven stars, impact guys. Uh, um, but the other guys are proven complimentary players who who've shown they have really good makeup. And you know, Matthew Troop was a, was a uh, as a championship caliber closer, uh, who, who I think will be better as a sophomore. Um, and then you add in a, a, an intriguing group of freshmen. I'm very high on Jackson Williford. Really like this guy a lot. Um, you know, I think he's going to hit for them quite a bit. And uh, he maybe he moves to second base uh, in the next year or two. Right now. They can probably start him out in the outfield, um, and and he, to me, I think he's like he's like Johnny Field. I mean, he just uh, has a really good feel for hitting, um, and and makes hard hard line drive contact. He's going to be a fun player to watch. Uh, but then you know you've got some uh, Kevin Newman is kind of their their new shortstop. Uh, um, you know, like like Landon Laster a little bit. He's 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 got to come right in and and handle that job, and they think he can. He's he's like Lasseter. He's got the uh, the instincts, and you know I don't think he's quite as physically talented as as Lasseter, and his bat probably isn't quite as advanced at this point. He doesn't run as well, so I don't think he's as good as Lasseter, but I think he's good, and I think he's going to be a, a really good college player. I know some scouts out, out here in Southern California who uh, were kind of high on him as as a guy to watch. So um, yeah, you've got you've got questions, but um, you know this team will be competitive for sure. I don't think they're going to uh, repeat. Repeat as national champions. I don't, I don't see that happening. But um, you know, they're they're uh, they're well coached, and they're uh, they should be back in a regional at least. And then Aaron, I think the other you know outside of Louisville being as high as we have the Cardinals, the other biggest surprise I think in our top twenty-five probably will be New Mexico, being ranked in the top twenty-five. Um, you know, I was talking to a junior college coach today, and we were talking a little bit about University of New Mexico, and uh, and he said. Uh, well, I'm sure Ray Birmingham is a is a writer's dream. He's the best quote there has to be in baseball. <laughs> and I said, you know it. But that's not why that team is top 25 caliber, Aaron. Three regionals in four years. Uh, a coach who – It's three straight regionals, isn't it? Uh, I guess it is an active active streak of three. You're exactly right. I'm sorry. Three straight regionals for a program that hadn't been in like 40 or 50 years before that. Um, a guy won national championship at New Mexico Junior College. This guy's just a winner, Aaron. Yeah. And this program is peaking this year with just an offense that, you know, BB, it, they would be illegal with Beezer bats with this lineup. Right. But they're going to be very potent with these, uh, with the current bats, with with guys like Mitch Garver and uh, and DJ Peterson. I think it's the best offense in the country. Um, you know, and you mentioned the two big reasons, Peterson and Garver, uh, both guys, you know, hit for power and average. Uh, um, they're really tough to pitch to. I mean, I know, you know, Peterson wasn't his best on, on the Cape last year. So, um, you know, at that point, it was the end of a long season. He already played for Team USA. Uh, but when I saw him in regionals, boy, he was scary. You know, that first game against UCLA, or uh, um, it wasn't against UCLA, it was at UCLA, but um, it was against uh, Gonzaga. That's it. Is that right? Is it Gonzaga? I think so. I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, um, he, you know, he, he the guy the guy can hit the ball a long way. 
Um, University of San Diego. That's who it was. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, the other WCC team. Uh, he he's he's scary. He's I think one of the very best hitters in the country, uh, and one of the best power hitters. I mean, uh, and then you've got you know pieces like Ryan Padilla um, and, and Josh Melendez. Melendez is the senior center fielder who's kind of he's got some physicality and some speed. Um, Padilla, you know, I mean, Birmingham last year was, was kind of teasing uh, Peterson and Garver. He said, look. I mean, this guy been better than both of you. So I mean, you know, and then you got your you got your senior shortstop with Alex Albritton. You got a senior catcher. We talk about strength up the middle and a senior center fielder. Um, that's that's a pretty nice nice group right there. Uh, the question is, will they pitch? They don't need to pitch great, honestly. I mean, they're they're going to score so many runs. Uh, they just need their pitching to keep them in the game, I think. Um, but uh, they do have some arms. I mean, Sam Wolf was a was a was a guy out of high school. He was, uh, you know, originally at the University of San Diego. He was supposed to be, um, you know, he's supposed to be a, a key recruit, and it didn't work out there. But he can he can run his fastball up there pretty good. Um, and and Josh Walker last year was in the rotation. They need some of these newcomers like Tony Consiglio, the uh, the, the junior college transfer, uh, to step forward. But you know, the pitching is is a question mark with with New Mexico. But if it wasn't, then they would have been a top ten team because as good as their offense is. Right. Um... Aaron, last year, I would say the pick to click that made you look the best was the question in our uh, opening day top 25 chat, which was, okay, Aaron, what team outside the top 25 has a chance to win regionals? You know, that's not, but that's not in your top 25. And you said, Stony Brook. Not only do I think Stony Brook can win a regional, you, know, you were you were bullish on, on the Brook. And, of course, uh, that came to look pretty good when the Brook went on to go to Omaha. Uh, they didn't play their best at TD Ameritrade, no doubt. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure there's a Stony Brook this year. It doesn't seem like there's any way possible that the North mm. could have as good a year this year as it had last year when you had Purdue host a regional. You had Stony Brook at Omaha. You had St. John's win a regional on the road in North Carolina. It's a pretty boffo year in the Northeast and in the Midwest last year. Um, if you had to pick a team that's not mm. in the top 25, Aaron, that had the chance to be this year's Stony Brook as far as a team that's not in the top 25, but, but a team that you like with a chance to go to Omaha, who, who'd you pick? Um, can I give you a couple of teams that I'm you can. excited about? You can hedge your bets. Um, sure. I, I, I'm excited about St. Louis um, as a as a A10. You know, I think that's probably the team to be in the A10. They got a lot of experience back in the lineup, a bunch of seniors and juniors, and um, you know they've they've been to a couple of regionals now. Let me tell you, I was uh, never going to guess that. I, I, that was not who I was going to think. Who I guessed you would say. That's a team to keep an eye on. They got a lot back, um, and they, you know, they've been to regionals and they played well in regionals too. I mean, this program, Darren Hendrickson has done a fantastic job building these guys. Um, I think um, Sam Houston State is, is is intriguing to me. Um, you know, with the um, the couple of really good lefties atop the rotation with Caleb Smith and Cody Dixon. Um, you know, they've got uh, uh, they've got you know some depth on that staff. Um, they did lose some offense, but you know they've got some some sophomores are excited about Cole Atwood, uh, kind of the the catalyst center fielder. Um, that's that's kind of an interesting team as well. And then uh, Austin P. Um, you know I, I think these guys uh, they, last year I think they could have won that regional up in Eugene if they had gotten a break here or there or played a little bit better. But I mean again you've got some impact um, three or four year starters back, Jordan Hankins at second base and Reed Harper, um, you know, and, and, uh, Rolando Gautier, um, I hear you nothing confused. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Um, Sorry. They, they've, they, they need, they need, they need 
they're pitching to materialize. That's the question with Austin P. Um, they're relying, I think, on, on Lee Ridenour now as, as, as the number one guy in rotation. You might remember him. He was supposed to be at Kansas or start his career at Kansas, ended up at a junior college, and now he's, he's back and, and showing power stuff. So, so um, you know, the pitching needs to come together. But I like their lineup a lot, and again, they have regional experience, and, and they, they availed themselves well on that stage. So, um, and that's kind of like Stony Brook. I mean, you know, Stony Brook, I think, was building up to it last year because that's a program that had won a bunch of games over the last the pre- previous few years. They had been to regionals, um, they performed in the Cape. You know, a lot of those players they weren't going to be intimidated by a good competition. And, and these teams I mentioned, I think, are, are the same. They've all they've all done it before. They've kind of been building towards it. Um, so maybe. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's going to be another team in the north. I mean, last year was the the warmest spring on record. I think I read in, in the United States. You know, there's no question that that helped um, these northern teams. Um, and it was a little bit of a perfect storm. I mean, you had Stony Brook and Purdue. Um, you know, and St. John's that had these veteran teams, right? Um, with a lot of talent. And Kent, Kent State, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, I can't believe I left Kent State out. That's that's just brutal. I mean. The, one of those teams, uh, the Sunny Brook, that went to Omaha and then won a game there. I mean, that's right. For crying Kent, out loud, uh, Kent State and Kent State, in fact, to correct you from earlier, Kent State was when it was in the twenty-one inning game with Kentucky, not Purdue. Okay, thank you. Um, so that, See, I just, they I, had, I, you know, apparently, even though I sat next to Mike Birkbeck at the ABCA <laughs> Honors Luncheon, I apparently wiped Kent State from my brain, which is inexcusable. I apologize for the golden flashes. I, I apologize for the flashes, golden and otherwise. That's right, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, last year I thought was, um, you know, I'm not I'm not calling it an aberration because I think those are all good programs um, that had great years, and um, you know, there will be other chances for for Northern baseball. I think Notre Dame is intriguing this year. You know, that could be that could be a Northern team um, with a couple of All American caliber players with with the, the, um, Eric Jayello and, and uh, Dan Slania, um, you know, kind of leading the way for them. So, uh, you know, you, you've got some candidates out there. I think the uh, you know, and I I hadn't researched that question myself, but when I asked you that question, I started looking through teams like who I would think of for that, and Austin P was the team I was I, I was settling on, just doing Tennessee draft stuff, talking to scouts and other college coaches in that area. That's a that's a program that has a lot of people's respect. Um, the talent level there is quite good, like you said, and I think the important part again that aligns with Stony Brook is. They've won a lot there recently. They've they've yeah. been in regionals. They aren't going to be phased, and they've won games in regionals. And they've they they know those players know there's not a big difference between them and Georgia Tech. There's not a big difference between them and Mississippi State or them and Oregon or the teams. These are the teams they've played the last couple of years in, in regionals, and they've gone toe to toe with those teams, and uh, they're not scared. And they they I think that they they probably will play with a confidence. And then again. They're pretty strong up the middle, Aaron. So, yeah, that's I mean, right. uh, that, yeah. that's a great pull. I'm uh, St. Louis, and and uh, I would never come up with St. Louis, and I would never come up. Who was the other? Uh, Sam Houston State. Although it looks like Sam Houston State with uh, David Pierce, who was a long time very successful assistant at Rice, and Sean Allen, a you know, very good assistant coach. The guy was a good good college player at Houston, assistant coach of Florida International. Uh, they've they've got a nice staff there, so I'd expect that program to be uh, an up and coming program. Uh, but Austin P, the Governors, I thought that was a great, uh, and they even have a couple big leaguers, uh, yeah. Sean Kelly, I'm thinking of, and I, I think there's that's one right. other Austin P big leaguer. So that's a great, uh, a great nomination. That we'll see if that uh, stands you and uh, as and put, makes you look as good as Stony Brook did last year. That's gonna be here's, tough, tough to top. Here's one more team that's not a mid-major, but if, if I'm looking for a, a powered conference sleeper. 
Um, I like Virginia Tech this year um, with, uh, you know, some, again, some guys that really stood out in the Cape last year, Chad Pinder and Tyler uh, Horan or Horan, um, you know, big power guys. Um, this team's going to have serious power because Andrew Rash, if you recall, hit a ton of home runs two years ago as well. He's yep. back. Um, you know, Mark Zagunis is a really good player behind the plate. They've got a, a good-looking lineup. Um, I'm not in love with their pitching, but hey, you've got a, a senior left. You got three upperclassmen in your rotation, and a, and a nice senior lefty, I think, with Joe Mantiply. So, um, Virginia Tech, keep an eye on them. Uh, uh, any team that has a plausibly Greek guy in the lineup, like Mark Zagunis, <laughs> obviously they get the benefit of the doubt. So, Aaron, uh, we, when I when I tweeted out that we we're going to have this podcast, I didn't really get so much questions as I guess got flooded with. People retweeting it and saying, my favorite podcast of the year. I love this podcast and uh, favorites and all that kind of stuff. So uh, people are looking forward to the college uh, preview issue and they're looking forward to the college podcast. Figure out what our what our new uh, read will be this year. Uh, who will replace ATEC as our sponsor? Much to be uh, yeah. much to be determined in the college I, baseball season of 2013. Johnny, whoever's our sponsor, I still plan to win every podcast. <laughs> you usually do, Aaron. You usually do. So, uh, so much to look forward to this year. Very excited to college podcast again with Aaron Fit, and we hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, Aaron, good luck with the chat when you uh, have that uh, on Thursday, and uh, look forward to having you here in the office uh, this weekend to wrap up the college preview issue. I'm looking forward to it too, Johnny. I hope you guys have some good weather for me out there. I hope so. We'll have good barbecue for you no matter what. For Aaron yeah. Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody.